1: So Gio tells me that today's Gensaki in the briefing room might be um might be the best one ever. And really? I mean it just I, it just it's hard to believe every day. Wow. All right. He says, "I always ask him before we come on the air, you know how's the um how's the crazy town?" He says, "Well, today sir, <laughs> today might be her uh the best one." Which <laughs> every day I think, "What well, I don't know how that's possible. How can it get worse? Well, now I believe I
0: d- use the words magnum opus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah. now now how are you measuring best one best one that she's ever done like she had answers or best one that we've ever seen that this is going to be a train wreck.
1: How many days he um, how many times he takes his head and hits it on the <laughs> desk. That's how he's fixing <laughs> it off. Of.
2: Yeah, that's so, pretty accurate. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, live from Studio 6B on a Friday in the week. We always like to get involved with the audience on Friday night. So if you want to be involved, lfs6b at yahoo.com. Uh, plus, we'll be live on Twitch. If I ever decide to make it live on Twitch, would be a good idea. I
2: was about to say, how are so, we on Twitch? Um,
1: yeah, we'll be live on Twitch here in a second. So if you want to get involved, send us uh, an email, lfs6b. I've gotten a ton of emails. Uh, I know people think, I mean people i get emails going ah, no one ever reads these i promise you i read them all i can't respond to them all but i do we do read them all uh and i read as many as possible so we'll get involved with emails we'll talk to the people on twitch during the breaks uh real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 uh paul's off tonight rick Delgado's going to do the news uh rick Amorati's here and he's going to do sports mr Amorati, how are you Good evening, Mr. D. What's up? Very good. Uh, Not much. Did I
0: hear you got a gift or something? You said. (laughs) You know, I did get a gift. This is just incredible. Who is this? This is a Prince inspired (laughs) doll that I got from Spooky Jules, a big follower of LFS6B and at Slick Rick Sports. Jules, Jules, she made this for me. She—it's a uh, amigurumi uh, crochet piece. The amount of work and detail that she did. So, Spooky Jules, incredible. Thank you so much. Prince? That really is incredible. Yeah, incredible. all by hand. All by hand. Now,
2: is that is that? Did she use her hair on the top of that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh,
0: some type that's, of material. That's no, a, a pretty, pretty good.
2: Um, that's a pretty
0: good representation of Prince. I don't think that's bad at all. It's excellent. And eyelashes the right she's height. Even, I'll tell you. She's that even much. got the, the, the sideburns, the whole bit. Big D. It's incredible. Yeah. So well, thank that you. That's good. And well, her I mean, husband the, who loved the show.
1: The audience is I mean, just I don't know. You yeah. can't you can't <laughs> say enough about this audience. It's just unbelievable. They are.
0: Look at him. Look at the way he's holding that
2: thing. He's sleeping with that thing tonight. For that, man. that and his my pillow are gonna have a very nice <laughs> night tonight. Yes. yes. I'm seeing double. Which one's Rick? <laughs> oh my god. I know, it's yeah. like mini me. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> Thank you. um Well, uh I, I guess I, I've got to start in the New York Times this morning. I guess they decided the time was up and they'd had enough and they were um They are ready to drop the hammer, which is what they did. Uh, This morning, Cuomo AIDS rewrote nursing home report to hide higher death toll. That is the headline in the New York Times. The intervention was the earliest action yet known in an effort by Governor Andrew M. Cuomo that concealed how many nursing home residents died in the pandemic. This is written by David Goodman and Danny Hackam. Top aides to Governor Andrew Cuomo were alarmed. A report written by state health officials had just landed, and it included a count of how many nursing home residents in New York had died in the pandemic. The number? More than 9,000 by that point in June wow. of 2020. It was not public, and the governor's most senior aides wanted to keep it that way. They re- now, I just, I just want you to... Think about this as you hear all this. Just think about and just picture these people in action as they're getting this in, talking to each other, and thinking about how to hide this from you. People who have been affected by this disease, people who have had this disease, people who have had family members, elderly parents, grandparents who had it, who maybe died from it, who maybe were in a nursing home that you couldn't see, all of it. Think about this as you're hearing this article. Um, They rewrote the report to take the number out, according to interviews and documents reviewed by the New York Times. The extraordinary intervention, which came just as Mr. Cuomo was starting to write a book on his pandemic achievements, was the earliest act yet known in what critics have called a months-long effort by the governor and his aides to obscure the full scope of nursing home deaths. After the state attorney general uh, revealed earlier this year that thousands of deaths of nursing home residents had been undercounted, Mr. Cuomo finally released the complete data saying he had withheld it out of concern that the Trump administration might pursue a politically motivated inquiry into the state's handling of the outbreak in nursing homes. But Mr. Cuomo and his aides actually began concealing the numbers months earlier as his aides were battling their own top health officials. And well before requests for data arrived from federal authorities, according to documents and interviews with six people with direct knowledge of the discussions who requested anonymity to describe the closed door debates, the central role. Played by the governor's top aides reflected the lengths to which Mr. Cuomo himself has gone in the middle of a deadly pandemic to control data, brush aside public health expertise, and bolster his position as a national leader in the fight against the coronavirus. As the nursing home report was being written, the New York State Health Department's data contained in a chart reviewed by the Times that was included in a draft Put the death toll roughly 50 percent higher than the figure um, that, higher than the figure that being cited publicly by the Cuomo administration. The health department worked on the report with McKinsey, a consulting firm hired by Mr. Cuomo, to help with the pandemic response. The chart they created compared nursing home deaths in New York with other states. New York's total of 9,250 deaths far exceeded that of the next highest state, New Jersey, which had 6,150 at the time. The changes sought by the governor's aides fueled bitter exchanges with health officials working on the report. The conflict punctuated an already tense and developing relationship between Mr. Cuomo and his health department, one that would fuel an exodus of the state's top public health officials. In the past week, Mr. Cuomo's once seemingly unshakable grip on power has been buffeted away by a wave of scandal. Three women have accused the governor of inappropriate conduct, including workplace sexual harassment. On Wednesday, he publicly apologized for his actions, which are soon to be uh, subjected to an independent investigation overseen by the state attorney general. The crisis over Mr. Cuomo's behavior with women came just as his administration had been dealing with political turmoil over the nursing homes. Lawmakers moved to strip him of his emergency powers that he had been granted during the pandemic, and federal prosecutors in Brooklyn opened a separate investigation. An outside lawyer hired by the state has begun interviewing officials about the handling of nursing homes during the pandemic. The aides who were involved in changing the report included Melissa DeRosa, the governor's top aide, Linda Lacewell, the head of the state's Department of Financial Services, and Jim Malatris, a former top uh, advisor to Mr. Cuomo, uh, brought back to work just for the pandemic. None had public health expertise. In response to a detailed list of questions from The Times sent on Tuesday, the governor's office responded with a statement Thursday night from Beth Garvey, a special counsel who said... The out-of-facility data was omitted after DOH could not confirm it had been adequately verified. She added that the additional data did not change the conclusion of the report. The tension over the death count dated to the early weeks of the pandemic when Mr. Cuomo issued an order preventing nursing homes from turning away people discharged from the hospital after being treated for COVID-19. The order was similar to ones issued in other states, aimed at preventing hospitals from becoming overwhelmed. But by late spring, Republicans were suggesting that the order had caused a deadly spread of the virus in nursing homes. Mr. Cuomo disputed that it had. Still, critics and others seized on the way the state was publicly reporting deaths. Unlike other states, New York excluded residents who had been transferred to hospitals and died there, effectively cloaking how many nursing home residents had died of COVID-19. The 33-page report, which was issued in July by the State Health Department, found Mr. Cuomo's policies were not to blame, but it became a turning point in the Albany debate over the governor's policies. The day after the report was published, legislators began calling for hearings and requested uh, complete public data. Public health officials criticized this approach. A think tank began seeking the data, The next month, as did the Justice Department. Health officials, nursing home operators, and even some of Mr. Cuomo's aides expressed bafflement at the governor's apparent insistence on delaying the release of the data for so long, as none of the information released so far has changed the overall number of COVID deaths in New York. Now more than 47,000, including more than 15,000 now, nursing home residents. But the July report allowed Mr. Cuomo to treat the nursing home issue as resolved last year, paving the way for him to focus on touting New York's success in controlling the virus. He said, quote, I'm now thinking about writing a book about what we went through, Mr. Cuomo said, four days after this report's release, his first public comments about a possible book. By that point, He was already seeking formal approval from a state ethics agency to earn outside income from book sales, according to a person with the knowledge of his planning and how he planned this at the time. The governor's policy to direct nursing homes to accept uh, COVID positive patients remains a subject of intense debate. An investigation by the Attorney General's office released in January said Mr. Cuomo's memo on nursing homes was consistent with federal guidance, but it may have put residents at increased risk, you think, of harm in some facilities. At the time when the report was being prepared, Mr. Cuomo, a third-term Democrat, still enjoyed broad popularity for his televised news briefings. For its report, the health department had drawn on data submitted by the state's more than 600 nursing homes, which were particularly hard hit in March and early April, as New York became the global epicenter of COVID-19. To us, it was clear, they said, you've got to report the cases and the deaths in all categories. Case in nursing homes, cases in hospitals, said Stuart Almer, chief executive of Gerwin Healthcare System, which runs a 460-bed nursing facility on Long Island that has recorded 65 resident deaths of COVID-19. We always had confidence, and we still do, in our numbers. State health officials, though, could see from the data that a significant number of residents had died after being transferred to hospitals. The state health commissioner, Dr. Howard Zucker, had been aware as early as June that officials in his department believed the data was good enough to include in the report, according to two people with knowledge of the discussions. I will return to this article and finish it when we get back, and I will also play for you the sycophant media and how they treated Cuomo at this time. All right, just getting started live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. We got sports, Rick's got news, lots to do, a couple crazy towns. I have one crazy town that I might play about six times tonight. From Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Uh, Rick is going to have some news coming up here in one second. Rick is going to have sports. Uh, I just want to finish up quickly on the Cuomo thing, because the New York Times today really dropped the hammer. And you know if you're the governor of New York and the New York Times is coming after you, you've pretty much lost everybody in the state, uh, especially when you lose them. So... Uh, I'll just, it's long. I think it's on our, um, I'll just wrap it up here a couple last paragraphs. The back and forth uh, between Dr. Eleanor Adams, who was the health department's lead on the report, uh, and Mr. Maltrust, and, and the draft that was substantially rewritten, uh, went well beyond the usual process of the governor's office suggesting edits to an agency report and became very intense at times, according to two people with knowledge of the discussion. Health officials felt the governor's office, whose opinion was conveyed by Mr. Malatras, wanted to simplify way too much. They worried it was no longer a true scientific report, but feared for their jobs if they did not go along. Mm. Even so, an edited version prepared by Mr. Malatras did not remove the higher death toll. That occurred later, after Mrs. DeRosa and Ms. Lacewell became aware of its inclusion, it was taken out soon after that so that is the report this morning from the new york times it is on our twitter at lfs6b on twitter facebook rumble parlor everywhere um and it's there go read it for yourself i mean it's just that this i mean and here's here's really the sick part of it um crazy town the love gov here let me take you down memory lane and remind you What was going on on your television sets? Do you have this, G? Um, Back then, roll it.
2: David, we're standing by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. Mm. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Mm -hmm.
0: Truth versus
3: mendacity. Governor Cuomo, um, out there day after day after day, everything Trump isn't, honest, direct, (laughs) brave.
4: Real leadership of the kind the President of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality. The actual one? Than the president of the United States, Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is
3: conveying incredible strength.
4: You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you were sending soldiers off to war.
2: This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days.
5: He's providing hope, but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, mm-hmm. I think, is 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 one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With
4: all of this. Congratulations that you're getting for doing your job. Are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo who has a daily television show now uh, and has become in some ways the shadow uh, president.
3: Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president.
2: Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. (laughs) So there's your uh, Boy,
1: that was your media at the
2: time. Boy, that didn't age well, did it? No. no. Man, oh, man. And, and you know what's really, really, um, I would say, upsetting for a lot of people that's been affected by this in New York, as well as the other states, is that, again, he knew about this. He knew this was this was not a good thing. He, they knew that as as it was unfolding, it was not a good thing for the people there, but they kept hiding it. And think about it. In June of last year, they knew that this was a problem. And you think about all the people that died from that point forward that could have been saved, that had a better chance if he'd have just said, "You know what? This isn't working. We got to do. We got to do a better job here. We got to let these people know that this is this is actually a, a bad policy. Let's let's change this." But he didn't do it. He hid it because his own ego wouldn't allow it. You know,
1: I mean, again, I I, I don't operate on a. Uh, I just operate on the most basic level. That's why the audience, I think likes to show i mean we just talk about things just on the most basic level at what point i don't think you have to be the smartest the sharpest knife in the drawer to say to yourself well maybe i shouldn't say to the most vulnerable populations that you can't um say no to people coming into your nursing home that still might be positive positive." Do you ha- do I need Dr. Fauci, or do I need some Einstein to tell me nope. that that's not a good idea? Hmm. Let me think about this. Should we allow possibly still infected people to take the chance to come back into the nursing home? I mean, at what point do you ever think that's a good idea to even put that one-page order out
2: in the first place? Yeah. And I mean, back to May 13th of last year, Pennsylvania's own health official, you know him as Dr. Rachel Levine, moved his own mother out of the nursing home because they knew this was not a good policy, but they didn't tell anybody else.
1: I mean, when you type it up, I mean, I know, again, I'm talking on just just a remedial level here, which is where I kind of operate, but when you type up the one-page letter... I mean, someone else has got to see it besides him, right? And you, it, it, someone has got to pick it up and read it and go, okay, you can't, um, you can't, it, you can't um, push away people when they may be positive back. Do you think this is a good idea? I mean, doesn't that happen? Doesn't the health commissioner go, you know, do you really think this is what we want to do? We want to take people out of the hospital. They may still be contagious. We want to put them back in the long-term nursing care facility to the most vulnerable population. Do you, is that really what we want to do? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, does that conversation happen or I'm simplifying it too much? I guess it didn't.
2: Well, it must have happened because from what I understand too, the uh, the healthcare workers that were in the nursing homes, they were complaining about this. So, you know, if they knew about it, that they were probably, hey, rattling, rattling the phone lines going, hey, guys, uh, this is this is stupid. Um, don't do this. Don't make us do this. You know what I mean? I think they were pretty much begging and pleading at one point, S-
1: don't please stop doing this. You can't send these people here. Right. You've got a ship in the harbor that has 1,000 beds that are empty. You have the Javits Center that's 100,000 square feet that's been turned into a makeshift hospital. It's empty. You're telling me they have to come back here? I mean, it's just—it's really, um, it's just really mind-boggling how it even got to this, how yeah. this order— even got issued and i go back to levin's original response to the caller he said come on you're pulling my leg are you pulling my leg (laughs) is this a real call i mean that's really the response that's the most basic natural human response come on you're kidding me right you don't have to be a doctor i mean don't have to be a doctor to think about it yeah even dr j could figure that out that's just unbelievable so uh well so that's the new york times this morning so we'll see um of course the governor says he's not going anywhere and um I saw somebody said if there's any other women out there they need to come forward. Yeah. And um that's the ca- that is true. But uh this this nursing home thing is the real this is the real McCoy. This is we they need to get answers for these families. Right. Something there has to be some justice here for this because th- there's no doubt you could look and say some of these people may not didn't have to die. I mean, there's just no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, especially after June of last year when these numbers started coming in and they saw, they saw how bad it was. The re- that was the red flag. If ever, you know, you know it's like, uh, what, what was the thing that tipped you off? Uh, all the dead people. There you go. Unbelievable. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, One more thing. Uh, I don't actually. Do we have time for this clip? No, minute fifty-two. All right, we'll do that when we get back. Uh, Jen Psaki was asked today about uh, this Cuomo thing. One, one last thing. We'll do and then we'll move on. Uh, We'll do some news. We'll do sports. Again, I've got a couple crazy towns. One of them I'm going to play more than once for sure. (laughs) Then we got to get to them. And I've got some other good articles to get to. What's going on at the border? It just gets worse every day, and it's a self-inflicted wound by this president so we'll talk some more about that live from studio 6b glad you're in on a friday night you're watching us on social media on twitch night two seems to be a big success we will uh stay with you here during the commercial break 30 minutes past the hour. Uh, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Rick Delgado's going to news here in one second. Uh, Rick is going to do some sports. Let's get to this first crazy town. So the other day <laughs> I, showed you, <laughs> I showed you Joe Biden and how this event closed with them um, not putting up the full uh, cut on YouTube. They cut it right to black because, of course, Joe stumbled into I'll take questions here, Nance, or whatever I'm, whatever I'm supposed to do. Someone tell me what I'm supposed to do, and of course, then they cut the feed after he said that because they don't want him taking any questions. Of course, so that's how it ended. Well, now I'm going to take you back and show you how it started. <laughs> I, it, let me just, let me just give you a little clue. It ended better than it started. So um, let's start this crazy town, Rollachie.
0: In order to open these doors, we do not say open sesame. We say open Biden. That's
5: our magic word. (laughs) Open Biden. (laughs) I love
1: it. Open open Biden. So, Nance is clearly hitting the sauce again. So
2: We say, open Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. clears
1: throat> that is unbelievable. All right, let's do some news here with uh, Rick Delgado. What's she, going on, pal? She Al? must
2: be a pip at home. <laughs> Anyhow, speaking of Joe Biden, turns out uh, Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki says that, yes... Resident, uh, resident Joe Biden will be planning to hold his first full press conference by the end of the month. Did you say president or resident? Because either one fits. I I, called, I call him resident. Yeah. Um, Jen Psaki told reporters in response to questions as to why he hasn't held such an event yet. She said, we look forward to holding a full press conference in coming weeks before the end of the month. And we are working on setting a final date for that. And as soon as we do, we will let you all know.
1: Yeah, we have uh, Jen Psaki uh, commenting on this exact oh, thing okay. here today. Uh, cut 35. Let's hear from Jen P. The P is silent Psaki. Roll it.
5: So we're 45 days into the Biden presidency, and he has yet to hold a presser. At this point in past presidencies, uh, every president you know, from Reagan had addressed reporters, some of them, multiple times. Yeah. So why the delay? Well, they all and when could can we expect the president to hold a press conference?
3: Well first as all of you know the president takes questions several times a week. Uh he took questions actually Where? twice yesterday, uh which what do you want to eat is you an have? opportunity for the people covering the White House to ask him about whatever news is happening on any given day. We look forward to holding a full press conference in the coming weeks before the end of the month and we're working on setting a final date for that and as soon as we do we will let you all know. But this president came in uh during uh, a historic crisis, two historic crises, a pandemic like the country had not seen in decades and decades, and an economic downturn that left 10 million people out of work. So I think the American people would certainly understand if his focus and his energy and his attention has been on ensuring we secure enough vaccines to vaccinate all Americans, which we will do by the end of May. And then, Pushing for a, a, a rescue plan that will provide direct checks to on almost 160 million Americans. That's where his time, energy, his focus has been. But in the meantime, he takes questions multiple times a week and looks forward to continuing to do that. And as soon as we have yeah. a press conference, that we'll let you know.
5: Sure. Those sprays, though, are not an ideal forum for us to be asking questions. He can't hear us half the time. We get maybe two questions and then we're shuffled out. So, why hasn't he answered questions from the press at this point? Is it just that he's
3: too busy? I think he's answered. Questions. I, I believe the count is almost 40 times. So, uh, and I would say that his focus again is on getting recovery and relief to the American people. And he looks forward to continuing to engage with all of you and to members of the other members of the media who aren't here today. Uh, and we'll look forward to letting you know as soon as that press conference is set.
1: I'm going uh, <clears> to. <throat> I'm going to be serious. I'm starting to feel bad for her because she's not good at this at all. I mean, she's abysmally bad. And and he's so. Um, he's just so awful. You know, politicians can, most politicians or p- people in politics <clears throat> who speak a lot, they can always, even when Obama was in there running his nonsense or, or um, his press secretaries, what's his name there? You know, you'd hear them and, and you'd listen to them and inside, you'd know, they were kind of, you know, BSing you, but it was still like, you go, all right, I could, I can maybe, uh, okay, let me think. At least what- they're here. <clears throat> yeah. She is so bad at it that she can't get through it. You can't even remotely try to even think or give her any benefit of the doubt. It's the, the excuses are so lame. Plus, we have the added advantage of seeing him when he's in front of the camera. He takes no questions. What is she talking about? If someone screams, Peter Doocy said to him something about, what'd you learn about the border the other day? He said, a lot. And walked out. Yeah, He doesn't answer questions. He does not... I will be shocked if he does a press conference. I'll if he be... does a, a legitimate get-in-there-and-let-everybody-have-at-it press conference, as many questions as they want, like Trump used to do.
2: Like an hour and a half, two hours, and just this is it. I know we've been busy, but here's what's been going on. It's
1: going to be four or five hand-picked, predetermined He'll stumble in there, get up there, hold... I mean, it's... Come on, come on. And and really, that's what shines through when she tries to talk. Because you you just... It's such a level of BS that we've never seen before because he's at a level of incompetence that we've never seen before. She has no chance to even cover or remotely make these answers sound like even (laughs) something that... uh, Even the most... um, blatant sycophant joe biden ass kisser would believe it's just not possible yeah she,
2: she needs access to nancy pelosi's
1: stash yeah, she because, really uh, does she, she needs to maybe up. that would loosen her up a little and she yeah. would i mean she is so bad at this that i'm almost starting to like oh god it's i'm just i'm almost starting to feel bad for her in yeah, the smallest way i don't but not really yeah
2: she put herself in that position. She wants to be there. So it's
1: up to her. The excuses uh, are so lame. He's done nothing on the vaccines to push the He hasn't been work What's he been working – I just wish someone would say, "Well, what's he been working on?" What 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 specifically? Or a specific person, could you have come in here and talk to us and tell us, like we used to get, about something that's happened that Joe Biden has put significant energy, time, and wisdom into to push it down the road from where it was when you got here? There's nothing. Nothing. The border is a disaster compared to what it was six weeks ago. The vaccines are moving along because of what President Trump put in place. This guy has done nothing but weaken the border. It's a human disaster. It's a self-inflicted wound. He's done nothing on the vaccines to move it up from June to May. It's some nonsense. It's all the same schedules. It's all the same everything that was put in place. So he's done nothing that he can't do a press conference or take questions. Yeah.
2: And and you know what's more telling, too, is – Again, you referenced President Trump, and what did he do? He kind of he kind of did this stuff for four years in your face, two hours a day, an hour and a half, whether he's walking to walking to the helicopter or he comes into the press briefing briefing room during the pandemic every day, two hours of questions, presentations, and then get, finding time to get peace deals done, and, and this uh, all across the board. So when now he steps away from somebody who actually did stuff, and now you see what actual politicians do you actually get a clearer picture of what they don't do and what they're not qualified to do and how little they actually do but they try and take credit for everything so it's an amazing you know kind of contrast you're like uh, through all 2020 he was getting hammered trump was but he was still out there every day this guy's not getting hammered and he's putting in half days because that's all he can tolerate and they'll never say
1: it but you could tell in that woman's questions from the press, and when, when she throws in half the time, he can't even hear us. Right. You could tell. They never say it, but they were so spoiled with Trump and the access and the transparency – and the answers whether you like them or not he would tell you what's on his mind he would tell you exact he would g- take any question at any time and give you an answer and now they would go spin it into the, you know their propaganda nonsense right. but they were so spoiled yeah. under this president they're starting to they'll never admit it but you could even get the sense in her question the way she the way she was addressing her like uh, you can tell yeah. they'll never say it but they know how good they had it to get to, you know. Listen, of course they're, you know, they're going to always be more combative with a Republican president. They'll never be as combative with anyone as they were with Trump. But I'm telling you, they miss it now.
2: Yeah, and, and imma- no doubt. And imagine if a. Uh- Trump or even a uh, a different Republican was doing this to them now. What they're going through now, they'd be they'd be flying through the flying through the window trying trying to get questions.
1: Oh yeah, what's he hiding? Yeah, what's he doing? What's he doing? Got back channels to Russia? Right. Uh, who knows?
2: Exactly. Hey, you know? speaking of uh, former President Trump, he uh, issued a statement today. And since you mentioned it, it had to do with about immigration Uh, from the from the office of the of the 45th president of the United States. He said our border is now totally out of control. Thanks to the disastrous leadership of Joe Biden, our great Border Patrol and ICE agents have been disrespected, demeaned, and mocked by the Biden administration. A mass incursion into the country by people who should not be here is happening on an hourly basis and getting worse by the minute. Many have criminal records. Many others have been spreading COVID. Interior enforcement has been shut down. Criminals that were once promptly removed by our administration are now being released back into the street to commit heinous and violent crimes. ICE officers are desperate to remove these convicted criminals, but Biden won't let them. The spiraling tsunami at the border is overwhelming local communities, depleting budgets, crowding hospitals, and taking jobs from legal American workers. When I left office, we had achieved the most secure border in our country's history. Under Biden, it will soon be worse, more dangerous, and more out of control than ever before. He has violated his oath of office to uphold the Constitution and enforce our laws. When you think about what's
1: going on at the border, what it looked like in the last parts of the Trump administration with 500, 600 on our way to 800 miles of wall, deals in place with Mexico, uh, processes put in place to start to deal with it. We did not have a child migrant disaster at the border. We did not have this. We have it now because Joe Biden has taken all of that out of all those processes and throwing them to the wind. All these deals where we cut, where we said to people, if you want refugee status, you're not going to do it here in the United States. You do it in Mexico. You do it whatever country you're coming from. You don't do it here because we know, and I'm going to back ICE and I'm going to back Border Patrol and I'm going to give them what they want. We know that 99% of you are not showing back up to your court date and we're not releasing you into the country. Well, all of that's out the window now. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're doing.
2: Right. He, he also said that uh, the Biden administration must act immediately to, to end the border nightmare that we have unleashed, that he has unleashed upon our nation. Keep illegal immigration crime and the China virus out of our country, he said. And again, and, and that's not the full statement, but you get the gist of it. And he went right for it. Uh, again, talking about a thing that a lot of Americans are now seeing again, because the light has been shining, the difference between a real immigration policy and, and what the Biden administration Administration, the Democrats are into. We've
1: never seen anything like this. And if you saw the Axios story, the leaked documents that they got, they put out a story. I believe it was yesterday. It's just stunning. Ninety-four, ninety-five percent capacity. We're going to be at a hundred percent capacity by the end of this month. We've never seen anything like this ever. to the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night we got to get to, over to the uh to the emails and see if there's any emails uh if you want to be part of the show lfs6b at yahoo.com i'll go over there now and start looking at the emails while rick emirati
0: at slick rick sports on twitter does sports what's going on pal Hey, Big D. We got seven NCAA men's basketball tournaments in action tonight. We got West Coast, Missouri Valley, Atlantic Sun, Southern Conference, Sun Belt, Ohio Valley, and the Atlantic 10 all in action. These games are all final. Santa Clara uh, over Portland, 95-86. Keyshawn Justice with 22 for Santa Clara. Uh, St. Bonaventure over Duquesne, 75-59. Osun Asuni, 18 points for St. Bonaventure. Uh, Loyola of Illinois. Illinois 73-49 over Southern Illinois. St. Louis over UMass 86-72. Trey Mitchell with 30. Uh, in the losing effort for UMass, well, 30 points. That's a rough loss for that young man. Um, and Liberty over Stetson, 7764. Uh, VCU over Dayton, that was 7368. Indiana State, 53-43 over. Uh, Evansville Tyree Key with 19 for Indiana State to leave old scores. Uh, Citadel over WSWCU 100 to 86. Davidson over George Mason 99 76. Arkansas State 62. Uh, Georgia Southern 58. And um, Louisiana Monroe 80 uh, to 72 over Southern Alabama. Games that are currently in action now are North Alabama leading. Um, Florida Gulf, uh, Gulf Coast University seventy nine sixty five Belmont twenty seven twenty one over JSU, Mercer leads Stanford 29-17, and we'll get to the other late games in the next sports segment. NHL action, not as lengthy, but we got a couple of games in action tonight. Bruins right now lead the Capitals 4-zip, that's at the end of 2, and the Lightning lead the Blackhawks 2-1 at the end of the 1st. We have the Blues and Kings and Golden Knights and Sharks at 9 and 10.30, respectively. And uh, don't forget the Wild ki- Wild at the Coyotes. Sounds like Wily e. Coyote at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and the Ducks at the Avalanche, also at 9. And let's go to the rodeo, Big D. Friday yeah. night, we love the rodeo. That is our, at least Mr. Rick's favorite segment of the night, PRCA Rodeo. The Parada del Sol in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona at the Westworld Arena. Um, Round one results. Bull riding. These are just in. Live action now. Roscoe Jabot on Lucky Charm, 88 and a half. Steer Wrestling, Stephen Culling in 4.1 seconds. Team roping, Garrett Rogers and Jake Miner, 4.6 seconds. Tie down, Bo Pickett, 8.2 seconds. Go, Bo. Uh, and bow racing, <laughs> Christian Bo. Brashears, 17.93 seconds for the ladies. In action over the weekend, we have the American Rodeo in Arlington, Texas at my Dallas Cowboys ATT Stadium. And we have the Poplar Bluff, Missouri Black River Coliseum, Extreme Bulls and Bands. I guess we're going to have a battle of the bands there after the Bulls. And, uh, um, we have the uh, Abilene Pro Bullriders Touring Pro Division, uh, Abilene, Texas, Taylor County Expo Center. These are all March 5th and 6th over the weekend, 7.30 p.m. tip-off. And Slick Rick Sports will have a full rodeo and bull rider recap Monday night. Look forward to that. Round two, Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard. Bay Hill Club and Lodge, Orlando, Florida. You have a golf down there, Big D? Um, in Orlando? Yeah. Bay no, Hill but Club. I... No, I've, I've played um, Sawgrass, though. Sawgrass. So where they have the players. Great course. Well, right now, Corey Rogers, who was number two last night, has now gone up to number one. He's from Canada. He's a uh, two-day, nine-under. He shot a 69 today for a two-day 135. And in second is Martin Laird from Scotland. He shot a, uh, he's he's, he's um, uh, eight-under, shot a 67 today for a two-day 136. We had a three-way tie between Hovland Rory McElroy and Griffin, all two strokes behind Connors. So it's really tight up top. And like I said, come Sunday, usually the guy on top, Doesn't hold on. So we'll see. We'll we'll have a report on that as well Monday night. Um, And I got a good one here. Submission from one of uh, my followers. Great follower at Slick Rick for Sports is um, at Dancer D. Lewis. She shared with me this article, which is something we've been talking about the last couple of nights, Big D and Rick. Uh, The red state stands up for female athletes with Bill Banning biological males from girls sports. This is an AP report in the Western Journal News. The Mississippi House voted Wednesday to ban biological males from competing in girls or women's sports in the state schools and universities. The bill lead, heads to Republican Governor Tate Reeves in the next several days, and he's expected to sign it into law. Nice. Mississippi is one of more than 20 states with lawmakers proposing such measures this year. Democratic President Joe Biden signed an executive order on January 20th, the day he took office, that bans discrimination based on gender identity in school sports and elsewhere. Girls Deserve to compete on a level playing field, Republican Representative Becky Curry said before the Mississippi House. Allowing males to compete in girls' sports destroys fair competition and women's athletic opportunities, which again, we've been discussing on the show. The House voted 81 to 28 to pass the bill. Six representatives did not vote, and seven voted present, which counts neither for or nor against the bill. The Republican-controlled state Senate passed the bill 34 to 9 on February 11th, with five senators not voting and four voting not presidents. So Tate Reeves, the governor, had uh, tweeted out a couple of things which I really think hit home. And here was his tweets. If there's one thing that we are passionate about in the Reeves family, it's my daughter's sports. I know that the lessons learned through team sports have led so many successful lives and careers for women and have truly helped provide a more equal opportunity for success. My girls practice tirelessly. They work hard. They've learned how to win. And yes, they've learned what it feels like to be on the wrong end of the final score. It's true bonding, but my happiest and proudest dad moments. It is also why I'm so disappointed over President Biden's actions to force young girls like them to compete with biological males for access to athletics. It will limit opportunity for so many competitors like my daughters. It is bad policy and it is wrong for America. I thought that was a great piece. I want to thank Diane for that. And, uh, you know, really does speak to what we've been talking about, how unfair it is. I know, Rick, you've commented on this as well. Oh, yeah.
2: Because, you know, I mean, it's so obvious to see. even, even Even if you were to take the best tennis player say rafia nadal and put him up against who was the young girl that just won the australian what's her name
0: uh well you have serena williams and you have osaka Naomi osaka put them two in a match together who's gonna win who do you think is gonna win
2: maybe osaka gets a couple points but that's it she's gonna get routed and that's basically what you're seeing you would see that across the board no matter what sport volleyball track
0: softball what have you Absolutely. Good point, Rick. And uh, just one last one there, Big D. Uh, Yahoo Sports reports that uh, Washington officially releases Alex Smith after comeback player of the year season. This is from Cassandra Negley of Yahoo Sports. The Washington football team made it official on Friday and released quarterback Alex Smith, the 2020 NFL comeback player of the year after his return from a gruesome leg injury that nearly ended his career. Smith's uh, time with the team appeared to be coming to an end after a report Monday that the team would be parting ways with him after an injury to Kyle Allen and poor play by Dwayne Haskins. Smith took the reins and led the team to a 5-1 record down the stretch. It was enough to win the NFC East at a you know horrible 7-9 overall, but they did win a playoff berth. Smith returns 37 in May, wants to keep playing, and for the first time in a career spanning 16 years, he is a free agent. His veteran leadership and solid play will be assets. So, you know, he did go through a gruesome injury. He had a, he had a leg infection after his surgery and uh, really had to go through a lot to come back. There was even a point where they were talking about possibly amputating the leg because the infection got so bad. So he overcame so much, and, uh, you know, we wish him luck. Great quarterback, but, you know, Big D, 24 million against the cap. The Redskins, I think they had to make that move. And they have some young quarterbacks, uh, including that fella, uh, Hanky who had a really good uh, playoff run there last year right at the end for them. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D, for the first segment. Okay, very good. I remember when they,
1: um, the Redskins, uh, well, the Washington football team, got knocked off by Brady. In the playoffs this year, Brady said to him at the end of the game they had him mic'd up, and he said, "You know, you're my hero, man, for what you went through yeah. to uh, Alex Smith." So, yeah, I mean, they almost he almost lost both he almost lost that leg, yeah. and at some point, I think they thought they feared for his life. The infection was so bad. That's Never mind true. losing his leg. I mean, it was just horrific when he yeah. went through. Yeah. And so, to come back and get on the field is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, all right, hour two coming up. Lots to do. We'll do some viewer emails here coming up right now. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Hour two, more news, more Crazy Town, more Gen P. Saki. hour two live from studio 6 B on a friday wrapping up the week glad you're in real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 rick's gonna do more sports geo friend are here uh rick delgado's here sitting in for paul uh he's gonna do some news he's gonna do it right now what's going on pal
2: yeah and there's a lot of different things that are popping up which i find interesting so let's jump to uh to one that you you started to uh talk about i think we were in the break. Uh, Dame, when you mentioned uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is now reportedly looking to step down before the end of his term. He's exploring things. (laughs) Yeah, baby. I saw this. I
1: saw this headline in The Intercept, and I got so hot, I almost had to take a shower. Mitch McConnell working with Kentucky Legislature on Senate Exit strategy. Here's the strategy. Get out now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he and it's a six-year term. He just got elected in 2020. Uh, serving since 1985, the Kentucky senator, who was elected to his seventh term, term limits, uh, is reportedly working with Kentucky state leg, legislature on an exit strategy. The plan involves passing a bill through the state legislature that would strip power from the hands of the governor to appoint McConnell's successor and instead make it the duty of the Republican Party in the state. Huh, I wonder why he wants to do that. The sudden shift is part of McConnell's plan to secure his legacy. Well, of course, he needs needs to keep his beak wet, uh, which is reportedly on shaky ground following a public split with former President Donald Trump after the January 6th uh, insurrection, they say. Uh, McConnell voted to acquit Trump at the impeachment hearing, but said Trump was practically and morally responsible for the attack on the Capitol that led to calls for censure by Kentucky Republicans, but McConnell is yet to face such action. The reason he
1: wants to do that is because under Kentucky law currently right now, the power to appoint his uh, predecessor, I mean, his um, um, McConnell's replacement would fall to the governor right. who is a Democrat. That's why he wants it. Cause he doesn't want Andy Beshear appointing his um, replacement. That's why he wants to do that. So, In that move, I support him. Right. Let's get get Daniel Cameron in there. How about that?
2: That might work. I don't even know who he is, but I'll take him over uh, McConnell any day. McConnell stirred up controversy after saying he didn't watch Trump's speech at CPAC 2021, further indicating that he might be willing to end his association with the Republican Party altogether. The senator is facing a crisis of identity as he attempts to keep the GOP from splitting over their future. So you have that. And then another Mitch McConnell story has to do with his wife. Turns out the IG faults Elaine Chao, his wife, Mrs. Mitch McConnell, at transportation over ethics concerns. Remember, she was the uh, secretary of transportation. And I guess the watchdog over there wanted her criminally investigated late last year when she was the secretary, but was rebuffed. Uh, The transportation department's watchdog asked the Justice Department to criminally investigate Mrs. Mitch McConnell late last year over concerns she misused her office when she was uh, President Donald Trump's transportation secretary. According to a report released on Wednesday, report said the department's inspector general found that Chow had used her staff and office for personal tasks, you know, running errands and to promote a shipping business owned by Chow's father and sisters in an apparent violation of federal ethics rules. But when the inspector general's office referred its findings to the U.S. attorney's office in Washington, prosecutors at the Justice Department, who focus on public integrity cases, both declined to bring charges, the report said. Uh, Chow, the wife of Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, stepped down from her job earlier this year in the last weeks of the Trump administration, citing her disapproval of the January 6th Capitol mayhem. So there you have it. It's kind of it's kind of kind of odd. All of a sudden now she's being looked at. He's looking to get out. And uh, then, of course, if you want to keep going with some swamp creature news, why not go over to Liz Cheney in Wyoming? Shall we? Yes, it turns out Wyoming state legislator Chuck Gray is getting ready to challenge Representative Liz Cheney in the Republican primary. This out of just the news. Uh, Chuck Gray has announced his bid to secure the Republican nomination to run for the U.S. House seat in 2022. But in order to secure that nomination, Gray will have to defeat the incumbent. Liz Cheney in the primary. Cheney, the daughter of the former vice president. Dick Cheney was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted in favor of impeaching then President Trump earlier this year. It's abundantly clear that those of us who actually live in Wyoming that Liz Cheney's views, her positions uh, are nothing more than a stepping stone, and we're just supposed to go along with it, he said. Well, not anymore. Uh, Wyoming agrees with President Trump, he said. It is time to get rid of Liz Cheney, in in his statement. My proven record of leadership for the people of Wyoming is the polar opposite of hers, and it is why I'm proud to announce my intent to seek the Republican Party's nomination to serve the citizens of Wyoming in the U.S. House of Representatives.
1: I mean, anybody should be able to beat I could beat Liz Cheney in Wyoming if I, if I ran. I should be able to beat her. Anyone should be able to beat her. I don't think the people there are going to change their mind on her whatsoever. No,
2: <clears throat> I mean, I mean, there's a lot of what they call, uh, I guess, bad blood. People, people just don't like her. They, they saw that as a complete betrayal because that's not what they elected her for. Yeah. So. More and more people are, uh, you know, and it's great that these swamp creatures are getting exposed. So uh, jumping over to Dr. Fauci, who's never at a loss when he sees a microphone. Again, out of just the news. Check this out. This guy. Wow. He's really good. He's uh, he's really feeling himself. Fauci says military members who do not get COVID vaccine are part of the problem.
1: He's the problem. Yeah. He's the problem. He's the only problem. It's the only thing looking back that I would say Trump really missed a mark on. Should have dumped his ass so quick. Oh, God. And we were on him, too. We were on him early. When, when did we start playing quack quack? <laughs> months ago. Six months ago, probably. Probably within two weeks after the whole thing started. And me, I was trying to trying to be cute and do it in, you know, I did not want to be disrespectful and call the guy a quack. So I said to Fran one day, I said, let's just... Let's play this every time we mention his name, and I, I'll just—it'll amuse me because I'll know what it means. Quack, quack. Yeah, <laughs> I should have just called him out on it right away instead of doing that. But it's still funny.
4: We yeah. did it so much, I got tired of doing it because it wasn't <laughs> funny anymore.
1: <laughs> it's always funny to me because I know the, re- the meaning behind it, which now everybody does. But oh God, this guy just. Uh... <sighs>
2: Yeah. So, so Dr. Fauci, the nation, well, some, some nation, not ours, top infectious disease expert says the U.S. military personnel would elect who would elect not to get the coronavirus vaccine are part of the problem in prolonging the pandemic, uh, because by getting infected, even though you may not know it you may be inadvertently transmitting the infection to someone else, even though you have no symptoms. Uh, Fauci said Thursday during a town hall with Blue Star families. In reality, like it or not, you're propagating this outbreak, he said. Also, uh, as a White House advisor on the the, uh, virus and director of the National Institute of allergy and infectious diseases so instead of being part of the solution you are innocently and inadvertently being part of the problem by not getting vaccinated
1: yeah i i've read i've read you um i'm not going to claim to know more than fauci does on all of this although i think i probably have a pretty good chance but um i've read you multiple reports multiple people doctors other people who have studied this who say the, the idea of asymptomatic spread in kids and young adults and even into 40s and 50s is, is almost non-existent. Right. It's almost non-existent. If you're not actively showing fever symptoms, the chances of you asymptomatically spreading it are, are so extremely low. I posted, by the way, you should go to our Twitter. I think that's the only place I posted it. Um, a rant today by Charles Hoskinson about lockdowns and government and this whole idea of just this um, author- authoritarian uh, lockdown that these guys, they just don't want to relinquish the power. They do not want to relinquish. And he goes through, it's a little long, um, but I, I really encourage you to watch it. This is not someone who's politically, um, really wants to be politically involved. He wants to run his company, but Manny makes so many good points about the difference between basic liberty and tyranny that we are seeing now with these governors and these mass mandates and these lockdowns and the follow the science crowd who are the last people to follow the science. Um, it's on our Twitter and it's I think it's called uh, something a conversation about lockdowns. It's about eight, nine, 10, 11 minutes. I don't know. It's, it's not that long. But it's really worth watching, and he makes some, I mean, he's brilliantly smart, and he just makes some fantastic points about things that are going on and how the fact that these people really don't want to attack this thing in a way that to nullify it. They just want to continue to have the power over the citizenry. They want to have the power over your lives. They want continued, continued, continued. Okay, another variant. Now you need new shots. You got to do this. The goalposts got to move again. We got to move again. We got to move again. And it's just mm.
2: enough. Yeah, we we need another 100 days of mass for everybody because the first 100 days wasn't enough. And we're going to flatten this curve in 15 months instead of 15 days.
1: One of the things he said, which I thought was, it's one of those, he said, you know, he, I think he said he had, somebody had told him that there, was, had, there had been discussion within the government about do we take enough vaccine from the original vaccines that were ready to go and get it to Hawaii so that we could vaccinate the entire island of Hawaii almost in advance, get a herd, herd immunity there to see what, the, what life is like upon full vaccination of one spe- i guess cuz it would have been pretty easy to do right. not a huge island i guess not a, a huge number of vaccines would be needed and he said it was bantered around never pursued other things that would take minimal money like billions of the 2 billion dollars which i mean the government spends on i mean police uh, to to toilet to, to get a, yeah to get ahead of some of these um, viruses the possible pandemics that could be Uh, you know, next coming into the country from God knows where or what, uh, just never even looked at, never even addressed, never even given the time of day, like on real research from real people, real doctors, brilliant research, peer-reviewed studies, all of the stuff that you hear that they, you know, it's got to be double-blinded, peer-reviewed, this, that, and the other thing. Well, here you have that, and they don't want to pay any attention to it. I mean, on so many things. So I'm telling you, it's a great 12 minutes to watch. It's on our Twitter. Um, I shared it this morning. And if you have time and you're as bothered by this, um, what's going on with the mask and now we're getting vaccines and they're saying, no, I still can't do this. Right.
2: Still got a social distance. Still can't open things up. You still got to hide from everybody because that's the only way to really stay safe. You got to wrap yourself in bubble wrap. Why don't you just, why don't you just uh, dig a hole and bury yourself? And we're raising, as he said,
1: raising a generation of kids that are just, I mean, that are afraid to be around their grandparents because they think that close proximity equals death. So it's, it's really worth watching. from studio 6b 17 past the hour it is that time time to jump into the briefing room this one's entitled knock on wood i don't know why but we'll find out uh here's what happened in today's press briefing in uh, crazy town roll it g
3: okay What's going on around here? Uh, We're quite confident. (laughs) um, uh, The the labor force participation (laughs) rate may not may mean that it may the unemployment rate may not accurately depict uh, good, clean-paying infrastructure or clean-paying well-paying. I should say. Sorry, it's Friday. But I will note one interesting and actually very (laughs) troubling statistic. Per our economic team, I'm not an economist, as you all know. Uh, no, uh, combined uh, with, of course, um, um, this the extension. I'm an English And these major. are examples of um, <laughs> why I think this is a package. We think this is a package that is um, incredibly appealing to um, many progressives in the country, and certainly should be to all progressives um, in in uh, in the Congress. You know, the place. Uh, I already talked about that, so I'll skip that over. That we are certainly confident, hopeful, and. confident That we will. uh, Sure. And as the secretary also said last week, was that last week? I'm not sure. I don't know. It may have been this week. um,
5: Whatever. And on
3: infrastructure, I certainly I don't have these this in front of me, but I'm sure you have all have lots of research assistants who can look at who has supported infrastructure <laughs> in the past. I
5: think we would all love research assistance, by the way. Well,
3: some of you do. You can you can steal them from other outlets. It could be like a sharing of resources. Indeed, but I did want to circle back to the top. Uh, and on the second one, <laughs> uh, say that you <laughs> know, one more time. The president has been clear. We don't have new policy to announce. We're six weeks into an administration, huh? and we droi- rejoined now, uh, the baby. World Health Organization on the first day of the Biden administration so that the United States could once again lead in an international forum.
2: Waste money. So the president is satisfied with the way that whole report work is going ahead right now what?
3: no it's not it's not they're holding on it
2: right so he's, he's... <clears throat> Is he satisfied or not with
3: that? I would say he is feels it's a positive sign, as I just said, um, because they're not releasing a report where we expressed <laughs> concerns about the origin of the data, so, uh, and the lack of transparency, he thinks uh, and this that we felt it would send uh, uh, a, a negative message about uh, not a negative message, I should say, kind of the inaccurate <laughs> well, message about the origins of the pandemic.
5: Is he
2: confident that that's going to be the?
3: We'll real look deal? at the data on the report. We ha- we have a long said we'd like to see the underlying data but again we we feel the hold on releasing the interim report uh, was uh, we were gratified by that step that was taken.
4: as of March 1st <laughs> the Congress has not invited the president to deliver the State of the Union address meaning he is so far gone the longest of any president in his first year without uh, confirming a date for the State of the Union he was with right, the exception so far of gone. President Nixon in 1969. Well, a
3: little bit of history. I like yeah. it.
4: Do we expect an announcement soon <laughs> on that? Or, um, we'll, we'll see. Is he going to operate with back channels to Ankara? Uh,
3: I'm not familiar with this individual or, or this uh, engagement, uh, but uh, certainly the president uh, has many global <laughs> leaders, world leaders. He still needs to call, uh, and he will venture to do that in the in the coming weeks and months
0: call President
3: Erdogan. I'm sure at some point about uh, the use of the attempted uh, use of uh, vaccines uh, as a means of diplomacy uh, by Russia and China. Uh, we, of course, um, uh, support. Um, can We put a readout of the call out. Uh, I'd have to talk to our national security team and see if that's something. <laughs> if, if, if it was raised on the other end, we'd leave that to them. I don't think there was any intention of uh, raising that from our end. So they may have more to speak to it from, our end, from their end. Sorry. We uh, have to take into account a number of factors, including the fact that we don't know which vaccine works uh, is most effective with children. That testing is still ongoing. We don't know the uh, most effective as it relates to all the variants. That is still ongoing. Uh, So anyone who is going to anyone should take everyone in this country, I should say, should take whatever vaccine they have access to. And I would say that uh, any of my colleagues at the time would say that uh, we didn't do enough to uh, explain to the American people what the benefits were of the Rescue Plan uh, and and we didn't do enough to do it in terms that uh, uh, people would be talking about at their dinner tables. Uh, Vast majority of the American people support the American Rescue Plan, including Republicans. Uh, And so I think really the question is, uh, why are Republicans in Congress who aren't supporting this package uh, outliers in where the American public is? Go ahead, Alexandra. Alexandra, I was looking at you. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Francesca. Uh, I would just say that the president president's view um, is uh, maybe not well known, but let me restate it stated here. I'm not aware of <laughs> discussions directly with state legislatures, state legislators. Um, if he had had those discussions, you might like might would likely know, I should say. But oh, oh, okay. We'll do two. We'll talk. do two more. It's a Friday. Uh, where our focus is on getting the package passed, and once it does. Uh, we look forward to uh, taking some time, using uh, the president, the vice president, uh, the first lady, the second gentleman, to uh, engage with and communicate with the American people about uh, how the package impacts them uh, and uh, and how they are uh, how it will help them get through this difficult oh my period. God, like we policy. are only 40 days in, 41 days in. A lot more policy making, executive order doing. Well, some executive order doing to to be done.
0: Wow. Is there a sign language for uh, uh, uh? What is oh the sign for that? Lord. Wow. Holy moly.
1: There's a couple things in there. I have n- literally no idea what she's talking about. Did she say kids getting vaccinated, that there's still studies going on? Yeah. What? And then she said Republicans are on board. They passed it in the House by 10 votes. It was strictly party line. It passed in the Senate with Kamala Harris breaking the tie. What is she talking about? Gee, you were right. What'd you call it? What was the term you used? It was her what?
2: Uh, her magnum opus, I would say.
1: <laughs> I'd say so far, I think you're right on. That's, that's, that's just, uh,
2: I don't know. She's so confident in the bill that she had to knock on wood that it would pass. <laughs> you know what you should do? Try and do one where, where it just focuses on every time she throws her hair. If she does that at least 200 times per, per uh, press conference.
1: Unbelievable! Um, all right, let's do some news here, um, Rick Delgado. I want to get to um, I want to get to Senator Ron Johnson, who I don't know how many of you saw this when they were doing the hearing on the January 6th Capitol, but Ron Johnson questioned. The I believe she was the assistant director yeah. of uh, FBI for counterterrorism. And he asked her some questions that I, I did not pick up on um, until now. And I'm going to play that five minutes for you at the bottom of the hour because it's... Um, well, let's just say it goes against some of the... It, it drastically cuts against the narrative... Of of President Trump and this insurrection, and I'll il- tell you why that is when right. I show you the
2: clips. The illusion. Um, speaking of Senator Ron Johnson, by the way, he was grinding the gears of Senate to, to a halt as he sought to move, as, of course, President Biden sought to move forward the 1.0. trillion COVID relief bill. It was just the latest step by Johnson, who is up for re-election in his state, uh, to burnish his Trump credentials. And that meant taking a two-pronged approach to the hardball tactics. First, he was forcing the Senate clerks to read the entire piece of legislation, all 600 pages, a delaying tactic that irritated the Democrats and even some Republicans. Then he wants Republicans to sign up for shifts so they could potentially force hundreds of amendment votes as well. Uh, The delaying tactic, of course, uh, I believe it took more than 10 hours. And the point was, he wanted to make sure that the American people had a chance to hear what was in this bill. And, he, and uh, Senator Kramer, Republican out of North Dakota, added that Johnson has a right to force the bill to be read because of its value. And, of course, uh, again, it's to showcase all the things that were wrong with it from our point of view, and that's the whole point of this for me, said uh, Senator Graham. $2 so, trillion dollar monstrosity.
1: All right, Senator Ron Johnson uh, coming up. More news, sports. And we'll take a look at Nancy one more time. <laughs> from studio 6b i want to get right to this um senator ron johnson was questioning the fbi uh, let me get her name so i don't screw it up here her name is um uh, yeah okay
2: well as you look for that can i throw out a comment from nine way nine because, uh, again, this Twitch thing is really great. If you haven't found this on Twitch, go to LFS6B, twitch.tv. You can watch the show, stream it. You can chat on there, and we're taking comments as well. 9wayne9 uh, Na- Nine Nine says about Jen Psaki, she aspires to be as interesting as vanilla ice cream.
1: Okay. <laughs> Jill Sanborn um, is the FBI Assistant I- Director for Counterterrorism. Ron Johnson questioned her. I want you to listen. Under- I want you to listen to this. And I want you to think about the narrative around it. Um, The president incited an insurrection, a violent insurrection. Think about all the dramatic videos we saw at the impeachment. Think about the impeachment. Think about all the things we've heard about this day. I want you to listen to these questions and listen to these answers. Roll it, G.
4: How many points of confrontation occurred during the riot? I mean, in other, in other words, were these primarily at choke points, doors, windows that were breached, and then inside the Capitol, again, uh, outside the House chamber? Or, or was there a, you know, the, the Capitol is 751 feet long. Was this a 751 long line that's, that uh, Capitol Police and other law enforcement were, were battling uh, protesters?
5: Uh, Thank you for the question. I think we're still in the process of gathering that data. Obviously, the folks that we have charged, we've charged for breaching and getting inside, and so we at least know that at some point they got through a choke point. The actual distance of how long that was is still part of what we're examining, sir.
4: Okay, but we've got all kinds of video, uh, all kinds of photographs, so you obviously are examining that, and from that video, you've been able to arrest uh, 300 people. 300 people have been charged, 18 have been charged with conspiracy, 40 have been been arrested for assault on law enforcement officers. So, have you, looking at those videos, maybe not been able to identify the people, but have have you counted the number of people that you want to identify, for example, that that will probably be charged with assault?
5: So we're still doing that, um, and that number increases just like the arrests every day, and so far we have identified hundreds of people that we're trying to still identify.
4: Okay. Well, Again, we've got 300 individuals who have been charged, 40 have been charged by assault. Do you expect the, the hundreds of people to be charged with assault, or will those be disorderly contact, unlawful entry? I mean, what, give me some sort of sense yep. of, of the, the extent of this.
5: Absolutely, it's a fair question. So I think the charges have ranged from everything from trespassing, to obstruction, to definitely assault on federal officers. We have a fair number of those. And so the charges, based on the actual behavior that the individual partook that day, definitely vary.
4: How many firearms were uh, confiscated uh, in the Capitol or on Capitol grounds during that day?
5: To my knowledge, we have not recovered any on that day from any other arrests at the scene at this point. But I don't want to speak on behalf of Metro and Capitol Police, okay. but to my knowledge, none.
4: So nobody's been charged with an actual firearm weapon. In the Capitol or on Capitol grounds?
5: Correct. The closest we came was the vehicle that uh, had the Maltov cocktails in it and when we did a search of that vehicle later on there was a weapon. But
4: how, how many shots were fired that we know of?
5: I believe the only shots that were fired were the ones that resulted in the death of the um, one lady.
4: Okay well again I, I appreciate the the chair's comments about uh, a bipartisan nonpartisan uh, investigation here seeking out the truth that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, cognizant of how it was, I was reacted to by offering an eyewitness account. At the last hearing, I'll risk entering another piece of uh, a reporting into the record. This is from the New York Times. Hopefully that'll be viewed more favorably. Uh, the title is, uh, A Small Group of Militants, Outsized Role in the Capitol Attack. In that report, uh, it says federal prosecutors have said members of the Oath Keepers militia group planned and organized their attack and quote, put into motion the violence that overwhelmed the Capitol. The reason I'm entering this in the record and read that quote is that it really does seem to align with the uh, eyewitness account that I uh, read parts, portions of in the record uh, last week, uh, no conspiracy theory, just an eyewitness account from a knowledgeable observer. I didn't get to the point of the actual attack and I want to just read a couple excerpts uh, This is the title, Provocateurs Turn Unsuspecting Marches into an Invading Mob. And again, these provocateurs are primarily white supremacist groups. Then a loud, bellowing shout from behind, quote, forward, do not retreat, forward. Then two other men standing across from one another on the high granite curbs on either side of the footpath, bellowed variations of forward, do not... He
1: he reads the rest of this, but the points were those questions. So here you have the media, you have every Democrat, you have impeachment, You have all the stuff we've gone through. You have constant barrage of any TV, CNN, MSNBC, all of them telling us the president incited a violent insurrection. Insurrectionists took over the Capitol. Violent. Now you either denounce violence or you don't. We denounce violence of all kinds. We have all, all the time. So, we are not saying it wasn't a horrific event. It absolutely was. What these people thought they were achieving is beyond me. They, if, if they catch them for whether it's trespassing or what, all the things she just listed, fine. They should have done the same thing all summer when there was the White House was violently attacked on the night that the president accepted the Republican uh, nomination, and Rand Paul was viciously attacked in the streets with his wife, and all of the people leaving the White House were violent, viciously attacked. Portland, the, the courthouse was viciously attacked. Minnesota, the police station was burned down. The city was ransacked. Hundreds of billions of dollars of damage everywhere, and none of it was denounced by the Democrats. None of it. Shootings, killings everything. Here you have questions of the director of the assistant director of the FBI for counterterrorism asked how many weapons were recovered from, from this event. Zero. How many shots were fired? One from the Capitol Police that unfortunately killed this poor girl. So we, I, I just, again, we denounce violence and I'm, that's not what this is about. But which one sounds more violent to you? Which one sounds like insurrection? Which one looked like insurrection to you? This was no insurrection. There was, wasn't even a, there was no weapons recovered. There was no shots fired. All the pre-planning we now know about, none of this fits with what you've heard since January 6th about the former president. None of it.
2: No, And the timeline doesn't match up. Oh, they marched down as soon as he finished his speech and it started. No, it started before he was even done with his speech. He still spoke for about 20 to 25 minutes more while it had already started. Um, And that's because he decided to start a little bit late. Maybe he knew something was up. Who knows? Uh, Because remember, just last week, too, it was revealed that he had offered 10,000 National National Guard Guard troops to be there. To make sure that nothing got out of hand and Correct. it was all turned down. And then what, what do you hear across the news? Oh, this armed insurrection. Armed? I think that's why he, Johnson asked that question because that is always perpetrated out there in the news of, oh, it was an armed insurrection. Really? How many weapons were recovered? Oh, uh, zero. None.
1: <laughs> and the Speaker of the House and the leader in the Senate at the time, no, nothing, no, nothing. We're supposed to believe that they knew nothing. Now, the sergeant at arms says that um, somebody, whether it was
2: him or said that they said no to the national because they didn't like the optics. We've heard that. Right. Right. And the timelines for those guys don't match because last week when they were speaking up on the hill when they were testifying, Sund actually had it down to the minute. I guess he was keeping track. He had a log or something of when he made a call at one o nine, and he didn't hear back from the sergeant at arms until after two o'clock, more than an hour after he put in his request. Meanwhile, he was trying to say, Well, at one thirty eight, so and so told me not to uh, not to have the na- or, or or approve the national guard or something like that. So something wasn't lying, somebody is Lying there. And I don't think it's sun because everything he's talked about, he talked about two days, three days early, trying to get troops in. He didn't like what he was hearing. He was getting some information, some intel sent to him, and they were trying to get ready for what they thought could get out of hand. And everybody, it's like a Benghazi all over again. Here's the proof. We need help. We need help. Nope. Nope. Everybody's turning their back. Don't even look. Don't even look because they wanted something to happen.
1: It just doesn't add up. None of it adds up. The whole way this thing has been portrayed, the whole, everything the country's been through with impeachment, with everything else, it just, and now this testimony, this, this I'm shocked this testimony hasn't got, well, no, I guess I'm not shocked because the media is not going to cover, cover it. Uh, I mean, that cuts against so heavy against everything we've heard. Insurrection, Violent insurrection. There's no firearms. There was no firearms of any kind. And there was no shots fired other than from a Capitol Police officer who unfortunately killed this poor girl. Right.
2: And, and anytime you did, there was more than one gun. And you could see them in the pictures, but they were all the security guys who had pulled them out when uh, they were ge- going up to those doors and people were banging up the doors. So there were a lot of guns. It was just a security detail, and the police had them, not anybody else, even though they want to call it an armed insurrection.
1: Yeah. All right, let's do a little more news here. Before we do that, though, um, just this is I just wanted to show you this because this, I thought this was hysterical today. So the the Democrats, even though the um, parliamentarians said, no, no, the minimum wage can't... Uh, I guess they either tried to sneak it in the bill or they tried to, they tried to sneak it in somewhere where it came to a vote. And a Democrat Kristen Cinema. Um, well here's how she voted on it. Roll that, G.
0: Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema. <laughs> that, was it. that was it.
1: It was a little little hippity doo, a little I'm out of here. One more time. Let me see that. That was good. Miss Sinema, Miss Cinema, Cinema. <laughs> See
4: ya. <laughs> and
1: she's getting savaged, of course, by the left. <laughs> they're, they're pointing out that she's carrying a Lululemon bag as she's voting against the minimum wage, which is just such an idiotic uh, argument to make. But well, that's just <laughs> someone on. who doesn't know how to argue <laughs> on the minimum wage, which we've talked about ad nauseum here, why it's bad, a, a $15 or anything else minimum wage. But that was Kristen Cinema's vote. And she's a Democrat. Yeah, she sure is. So, you better watch out because Hearn Mansion might be the um, the country's uh, saviors here if this continu- If Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and them all uh, continue to expose themselves for the radicals that they are, yeah. and keep going completely off the ledge.
2: And, and you know, there are probably a couple others looking at them, going, "You know what? Uh, maybe I'm going to stand with these guys because yeah. uh, they'll get reelected. Maybe so, they'll run some cover. Yeah. We'll see." I'm not holding on a lot of hope, by the
1: way, but maybe when it comes to the big things that will, you know, completely destroy the republic. Right maybe they'll stand up. So we'll see
2: right. real quick, uh, real quick before the break here. Some good news to report restrictions this week are being lifted around the country. Of course, we already heard about Texas uh, and their Neanderthal thinking of removing uh, the restrictions along with Mississippi announcing Tuesday that they're rescinding virtually all their COVID-19 restrictions. Arizona, West Virginia have also ended capacity limits for restaurants and other businesses starting, starting today, starting Friday. Um, Let's see. Connecticut, believe it or not, became one of the first Democrats, uh, Democrat states to lift many of its states. COVID-19 restrictions just yesterday on Monday, coming up, Massachusetts lifting uh, the limits on indoor dining. South Carolina, Virginia, easing their mandatory last call curfews so they can stay open later. Virginia, Wyoming, South Carolina and Pennsylvania all loosen their restrictions as well as Louisiana, Kentucky, Michigan and of course You know some other changes that are being made for uh, for uh, getting the country open again. So good news. All
1: right, we'll do some more sports. Wrap it up. One more crazy town to go for the second time. Wrapping it up on a Friday. (laughs) 13 to the hour. Oh, God, that was a good one. Uh, Time to do some sports. And here with that is Rick Camerati. What's going on, pal?
0: Okay, wrapping up a big night here in the NCAA men's basketball. Lots of tournaments going on. As I said, seven different tournaments. Uh, And right now, um, North Alabama leading uh, Florida Gulf Coast 79 to 65. Uh, Belmont is leading uh, JSU 54 to 41. Uh, early on, Troy, 18-15 uh, to f- uh, 15 over Texas. Arlington and Mercer all over Stanford, 72-43. to 43. That's the uh, late second half. Uh, San Francisco trails LMU 23-22. Uh, Missouri is state over uh, Valparaiso 21-9. And uh, Deron Phillip, you know, Big D, he's one of our big followers for a long time. Uh, he wanted to give a shout-out to Utah Valley, uh, who's playing Grand Canyon U. Actually, he wants to give a shout-out to Grand Canyon U with Coach Bryce Drew, uh, the the Antelopes or Golopes, uh, they're going for the WAC uh, regular season championship tonight. Mm. They're trailing right now, 21-19. So everybody's getting fired up about college basketball. And uh, next weekend, next Sunday, is the selection tournament, Big deal. They're WAC. Yeah, and yeah, whack. That conference is whack. It is a whack conference, but we're going to give Duran a shout-out for his team. And right now, NHL action, switching gears to the ice. Bruins all over the Washington Capitals, 5-1, to one, late third. Uh, Blackhawks and Lightning's in a good one, tied 2-2. Two, two. That's in the third. And uh, Wild Coyotes, Wild is leading the Coyotes, 3-zip. And that's in the second. Ducks over the Avalanche, 1-0 in the first. Blues and Kings right now, nothing-nothing. Uh, and the Golden Knights and Sharks play tonight at 10-30. Tennessee high school basketball team barred from postseason after coach's son punches opposing coach. The team was also fined $2,000. This is by Gabrielle Fernandez of CBS Sports. Yeah, listen to this one, Big Deal. A girls' high school basketball team in Tennessee had its season end suddenly after its coach's son decided to punch an opposing coach in the face repeatedly. In addition to the postseason ban this year, the team at Arlington High School will face fines and other penalties according to Tennessee's Secondary School Athletic Association The incident happened on March 2nd when after a game between Arlington and Dyer County High School, a kid jumped on one of the coaches for Dyer County and punched him multiple times in the face. Uh, The child was later revealed to be the son of Arlington's head coach and even though he does not attend the school his dad coaches at, the punishment was still levied towards the dad's program. In a statement given to the local station Fox 13, Arlington Community Schools cited law enforcement to note that this attack didn't exactly come out of nowhere but also listed the punishments that the board is considered sitting. It's been reported to law enforcement that the Dyer County coach was allegedly directing insults towards the AHS coach after the last night's game in the parking lot when the incident invol- involving the minor occurred. So a little craziness going on there in uh, high school basketball where the coach's son comes out of the uh, stands and goes out and punches one of the other coaches. Crazy. You know, so, you know what's terrible about that too is that the
2: girls on that team are now being punished for the coach's son who who's not uh, i yeah. guess affiliated has no like direct involvement with that team so it kind of feel
0: bad for those girls because you know now they're, they're now their season's ruined because yeah. of this kid and that's a great point, Rick, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my mind as well. The team which went 13-2 and two this season will also not qualify for any team-wide or, as you point, individual awards. So, yeah, those girls probably had ap- nothing to do with it at all. And, unfortunately, they're, you know, casual bystanders, so to speak, and they lost out on it. I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Sometimes you just wonder, I mean, what's going on with these, these kids growing up these days? I mean, I well, I don't know the story about this. I mean, what's behind the scenes here? But just... I mean as someone who obviously was a kid in high school as a son and now has a son I, I just could you even imagine even these kind of thoughts running through your I mean I sat in the high school stands watching
2: what out of control yeah out of People get nuts. Absolutely, they, they, they think their kids going to the NFL or the NBA and right. all, that and and they lose their minds.
0: Yeah, they live. And,
2: and what they should do is just say, you know what, coach, you're out, son. Stay away from the school and get get an interim coach to at least get these girls to finish out because thirteen and two, that's a pretty good record. And I'm sure some of these girls are you know seniors. Yeah, I'll man. tell you something. My obviously my son's played
1: basketball, all kinds of sports as he gets older. Some of these games I go to. I, I have to stand by myself way way in the back because <laughs> I can't sit in the where the parents sit because they're so a lot of them are so out of control. Yeah, The poor referees. No, I mean, I mean, out of control to where we could om- we've o- I've almost had incidents like things like that. Wow, with parents
0: Crazy. that are so out of control at these games. Yep. I know the referees take a lot of abuse too, and that's a whole nother story. Um. One more big D. Uh, what to watch in sports this weekend? We get the light heavyweight championship UFC 259. Blahovic versus uh, Adesanya. Uh, that's going to be tomorrow night at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Blahovic is the champ. He's 27 and 8, but he's plus 200. He's the dog. Israel Adesanya, who a lot of people are talking about being a big a big to do in the UFC, is 20 and 0. He's minus 240, and that's going to be a pay per view event. 89.95. Big D. Expensive. Uh, expensive. UFC, And also on the other card, the ladies, Amanda Nunes, uh, is is putting her championship belt on the line. Uh, She's minus 1100 as she defends her belt versus Megan Anderson, who's plus 700. So good UFC action tomorrow night for our MMA fans.
1: Um, that is a that card is worth every dollar of that. I'm gonna tell you right now. Santos Raykik is a great fight. Yep. Uh, Peter Yan Aljamay Sterling might be the fight of the night. I'm gonna call that maybe the fight of the night. Nunez um, and Megan Anderson is gonna be good. And I mean, th- that's worth it. I mean, if if you're into UFC, I'll pay that in four seconds and and watch it. I mean, I've watched
0: every one, but I know you're a big fan. That's a great main card. That great main card, I know. It's going to be a big, uh, that's going to be a really good uh, headline there, too, that uh, light heavyweight championship, but uh, 200 and 205 pounds, they both laid. in. Uh, and NASCAR also in Las Vegas this weekend, 3.30 on Sunday. The Cup Series continues on Fox. And last but not least, Big D, I know you won't be tuning in, but the uh, NBA Sunday night, 6.30 is the NBA three-point contest on TNT. And then we have 8 o'clock NBA All-Star Game. And for the first time ever, the dunk contest will be during halftime of that game, and that tips off at 8 p.m., uh, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Team Durant versus Team LeBron. The dunk contest is during the All-Star game? Yeah. I know, Big D. That's, that's exactly terrible. Right. What happened
1: to Super Saturday night?
0: No. You can't gone. do it anymore. Can't do it. Can't get the fans in there. You're right, Rick. Yep. Even even though it would make oh, more yeah. sense because yeah. you'd have it spread
2: out. Don't you want people to have more space between things and not have to be so congested? So now you're going to put guys who may not be in the All-Star game. Well, they're going to show up there with their families, too,
0: yep. on the same day as the game. It makes no sense. Yep. And, and uh, unbelievable. And uh, we'll have a Rip rip Roar and Rick recap Monday night on all this. Wow. He's did, got a Rip you, Roar and Rick uh, recap. Did you report on NASCAR, by the way? I did. Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. Okay three thirty they got the cup series in Vegas baby
1: fox hey did um Rory McIlroy uh, break a hundred
0: uh, uh hes well for his two day is one thirty seven he, he in the lead? No, no he no he's in third place he's oh, okay, tied for good. third
1: yeah okay that's not low that's not low enough, but that's better than first <laughs> Okay, we'll so, see what happens tomorrow and Sunday. We can only hope he falls in the uh, lake on 18 and DQs or something. So. Ah, you got it. Uh, all right. That's Any good. other news here, uh, Delgado, or do you just want to drink your coffee all night? Uh, what else? You know,
2: we could uh, we could uh, just drink some coffee, or we could wrap up. Um, but don't you want to do a little uh, Pelosi? All
1: right, one more time here, G. Let's <laughs> let's let's take it home on a <laughs> on, a, on a whiskey high here. <laughs> Roll it. <laughs> Okay.
0: In order to open these doors we do not say open sesame no. we say open
5: biden no. that's our magic word open <laughs> <laughs> biden i love it <laughs>
2: <laughs> and K- KBD1822 <laughs> on the stream chat <laughs> had the best follow-up <laughs> saying, Open Sesame, mm-hmm. Open Biden, Open Bottle, Bottle Opener. Yeah, that's it. I need a <laughs> bottle opener. Somebody get me a bottle opener. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: As always,
5: we we salute
1: our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Paul. Most of all, though, thanks you, the fantastic... Live from Studio 6B audience, thanks for the emails, thanks for the chat, thanks for everything. Uh, have a great weekend. I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you on Monday night. I love night.
2: you, Rick, man. Hungover, probably. All right, catch this. Catch
5: i you